I hate war as only a soldier who has lifted can, only as one who has seen its brutality, its futility, its stupidity. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. The Radio Hour is a project of Veterans for Peace Chapter 168, Louisville, Kentucky, broadcast on Forward Radio, WFMP-LP, Louisville 106.5 FM. This program is also available on the Forward Radio website in streaming and podcast form at forwardradio.org. That's all lowercase and no spaces. Veterans for Peace is an international organization dedicated to building a culture of peace. We are military veterans, family members, and allies. We accept veteran members from all branches and all eras of service. Veterans for Peace has been exposing the true costs of war since 1985. As veterans, we work to heal the world and ourselves through our commitment to peace. That may seem like a tall order, maybe impossible, even ludicrous. But we must keep in mind that every journey begins with the first step. Please join us on our journey. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. I'm Carol Trainer, and I'm your host today. Since this is February and Black History Month, I thought it would be fitting to have a conversation with Roberto Chiraldi, whom I first met in the Veterans for Peace Beat the Change Book Club Zoom meetings. The book club focuses mainly on combating white supremacy in its many forms, and it requires us all to do our own inner work in bringing about racial and social justice. Roberto has certainly done his homework, and he's the author of two books, which we'll be discussing today. One is Healing Love Poems for White Supremacy Culture, published in 2020 and expurgated, Racial Justice Poetry with Healing Meditations, published in 2022. Roberto is a Vietnam-era veteran, as am I, and a member of Veterans for Peace. Roberto is a licensed professional counselor, licensed clinical alcohol and other drug counselor, trauma therapist, and racial justice advocate and trainer. He's retired from counseling and psychological services at Princeton University, where he was coordinator of the alcohol and other drug treatment team, and was previously employed in a similar capacity at Temple University. He's past president of the New Jersey Association for Multicultural Counseling, and he's been a member of very numerous racial justice organizations, boards, and committees. He's a pipe carrier in the Sichangu Lakota Native Spiritual Healing Tradition. Congratulations on your books, Roberto, and thanks for joining us today. I've really been looking forward to having the chance to speak to you about your books. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to being here um, and being with you. You know, it's been it's been a journey for us both. So I'm excited now. Finally, get these books out, and so we can start um, supporting some folks. Yeah, I know what a good feeling that is after all the hard work. Um, your, your books, I read your, both of your new books, um, and they and they seem so personal and heartfelt and sometimes raw and painful even. And it's when I read it, it was like I could see into your soul and know who you were. That sounds like an old politician <laughs> that I once heard, but but it's true. And your writing seems so prayerful and purposeful on the topics of life and love. And you really laid your heart out on the table for all of us to see. And that's really, that's really brave. And I know I couldn't do that. So 
I'm really curious as to why you chose to write these poems. Well, thank you for saying what you just said, because uh, what it's, the word that comes up for me is the word vulnerable. And that's why I wrote the, that's the most, one of the most important words around love. title of my first book is Healing Love Poems for White Supremacy Culture. The second one is Unexpurgated Racial Justice Poetry for, you know, with healing meditations. And to me, the answer to all the issues that we've had all through the beginning of this country and certainly currently now, and especially in light of Tyree Nichols just get, getting beaten to death, once another Black man be, dying. That's why I wrote the books, you know, um, Black History Month, is should be human history month because we're not we still haven't made things right and so these books are both ways of hopefully helping each of us to look deep inside ourselves because to me if you know we're not part of the solution we're all we're all part of the solution we're all part of the problem so the books is is about supporting of us and looking deep inside ourselves because we all have we're all um, subjected to racism white supremacy value systems from growing up in this country. So that's not about blaming anyone or guilt tripping. It's just, that's the facts. And if we're willing to look at the truth, then we can really begin to heal because we've never really done what we need to do to really heal the issue of racism in this country. And I don't see it happening until we are brave enough to be vulnerable because vulnerable to me is about the essence, is the essence of love. And um, the best way I can be loving to myself and others is to be willing to be brave enough, like you said, to, which you have too, because I've, I've heard you and I've seen you and you even doing this, you know, radio program, you know, so it, to, to, to be vulnerable, share my feelings, not try to, to pretend, not try to stay up here in my brain, but to share my vulnerable feelings. That's the way we can get close to ourselves and, and have a hope of healing things. So that's really what I did with the books. You know, the, the first book was more, um, was a lot of older poems that I started a long time ago when I uh, was in the service to help myself stay somewhat sane during the Vietnam thing, because I, I had been in the peace movement when I got drafted. And, and then that, uh, during my combat medic training and then after basic and then the neuropsych training, we would sneak off the post at night to work uh, for the underground paper, and um, uh, because we were sending, we were printing letters from the the GIs that were over in Vietnam, and the letters were so excruciating because they were talking about the atrocities that they were either part of, witnessing, and it was about speaking truth. And so that's when it started. I, I started writing poems to help myself stay self taste stay sane, somewhat sane. <laughs> I wouldn't say sane, but it was somewhat. <laughs> I, I really love it that you were part of that underground letters. That, that That's amazing. I didn't know that about you. And it was really interesting that you said that we shouldn't have a Black History Month. We should have a Human History Month. And that's so true. After all these years that we still aren't there yet, you know, it's, it's just sad. Sad. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... I don't want to, we need Black History Month, we need Native, you know, because 
we haven't made it right with 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 native with the indigenous ones. They were the first ones that got you know the genocide and massacre of the people who already lived there. So we need that to at least honor the truth, but uh, of the folks, uh, you know, because one of the one of the big problems is that folks who white supremacy means white people are supreme and all other people are not, all other life is not, and so until we acknowledge that that was the true value that started this country by white men who are God's anointed ones, small g, because I don't think God would have anointed people to come over. No. Discovery, which, we're, we're, which was already discovered because we had people living here for thousands of years and then manifest destiny, see this shining sea, you know, uh, every all life is uh, expendable. That's what the values are. That's done it by wealthy white heterosexual else, um, and so that's why to me it's so important that especially us white wealth, especially wealthy. I'm not wealthy. Wealth, wealthy white heterosexual males stand up and speak the truth and say, "Hey, this is what founded the country. These are the values. We need to change that and claim new values," which means. The new bias meaning all life is sacred, worthwhile, worthy, important, valuable. And I'm no better, no worse than that insect, that tree, that plant, that child, that woman, that all life is sacred. Imagine how different our life would be if that was the core value and the mission of our families and our churches and our schools and the military and the government. But it's not. It never has been. All life, I mean, um, all the people never meant we the people never meant all the people. It meant all the wealthy white heterosexual males. Exactly. From your writing, I can tell you've done a lot of self introspection, and um, and that it's very clear in you know in your books that you've you've done a really deep research and searching of your soul and yourself, you know, over the years. Yeah, we should value all life, like you said, not just the white heterosexual males. And you wrote a little bit about it, that in one of your poems that we'll hear a little bit later. So I'm just wondering, what was the catalyst for writing your books, Healing Poems and Expurgated? I was sitting in a, well, they started a long time ago, and uh, but I, that, I was started by sitting in the, uh, one, one of these huge bus trams they had. We were waiting for the choppers to come down to carry in the stretchers of the wounded and um, traumatized GIs from Vietnam. And again, I was just sitting there thinking how crazy it was, what was going on. And specifically, there was a, a guy on the psych ward that I worked on, because I worked on the intensive care psychiatric unit, which was the fellows who were, were traumatized over there. And he was a, a, a black man who it was like, the, it reminded me of the Muhammad Ali, um, you know, when Muhammad said, I, I don't have any quarrel with, the, with, with those uh, people of color in Vietnam. Why, why do I need to go over there and kill them? And because that's what this guy was saying. He, this guy actually was a... Um, Minister of Defense for the Black Panthers, and he was trying to get a psychiatric. Well, he just didn't want to do it. He wasn't willing to be part of the the war machine anymore, and that's why he ended up in the psychiatric unit. 
And uh, I was just, I was kind of, he taught me the impossible position of a person of color, especially back then, but it really hasn't changed that much, who was forced to go kill other people of color. And when in this country, <laughs> the folks of color are still not treated right. So it was just the, the, the insanity of that moment really struck me. And I, that's when I started writing. And a lot of these healing poems and unexpurgated more recently are ways for me to get, again, it's really about, it's selfish. It's about me trying to stay sane and dealing with all this because it gets me so upset. But I think what you've went through and what you've written about your own experiences is, is really helpful to others to try to understand and maybe help them on their pathway to understanding. You know. That's the hope, Carol. That's the hope. So uh, whom and what do your books address? The first, um, especially with the healing love poems, it look, it, I really want to help people understand why it's so important to use the term white supremacy, especially you know white, white supremacy um, cultural values, because we don't know really, we aren't not taught what that means, which again, it should be taught to me to every school and every, uh, to every child early on. Um, white supremacy meaning, the white supremacy, wealthy white heterosexual values of power, wealth, control, competition to be number one, no matter who you need to walk over to get there, elitism, entitlement, those are, tra those are traditional white supremacy cultural values. That's what runs the country, started the country, still runs the country. We still have wealthy white men who are not being held accountable <laughs> for all the money they make and the taxes they don't pay like the rest of us do and that's okay so as long as that's not uh, unless some brave wealthy white man is a poem i'd like to read later about that is willing to st start up and stand up and start the ball rolling saying i acknowledge i've been part of this system it was started with this with these values that confront it to make things right so that we can all live together harmoniously Why don't we just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Roberto, go ahead. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. I was just wondering, maybe this would be a good time to, to go into that poem. Uh, brave, what was it? The Brave white man? That's good. Since we were just speaking about it. Okay, so this poem is One Brave Man. Since the beginning of time, we men have feared ourselves, each other, women, animals, Mother Earth. Why else would we feel the need to lord power over all things? In a group of wealthy landowning white hetero males, hetero with question mark, or, Stiff as boards, wearing fancy ruffles and wigs, established a government on the surface with liberty and justice for all, really for themselves. Not for native people, not for black folks, not for women, not for the animals, not for the mother earth, power over all but themselves. Starting out with military might, power, wealth, control, core values, success, competition be number one at all costs, no matter who we need to walk over. 
So we're, if we're afraid of being vulnerable and sharing our emotions for fear of being hurt, rejected, taken advantage of, etc., no wonder being smarter with words and being, quote, hard are so valued, which begs the question, what is real strength? A native saying is nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. If we're afraid of loving ourselves and possibly another man, another man, no wonder we set up walls and barriers and need to declare war and to fight, make love, not war. The values such as compassion, kindness, sharing, equity, fairness, respect, commitment, gentleness, impeccable integrity, trust, were our core foundation that we commit to living by on all our decisions, in all our relations, in all our institutions, racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, climate crisis, pandemics, and on and on would cease to rule the day and love would guide our way. If one brave man, especially one wealthy white hetero white male would stand up and say, our values are flawed from day one. And I acknowledge my part and urge you, all my brothers, to do the same and to give up the tenuous hold on our flawed values that are hurting and killing us all. Then we can ourselves and each other without fear. And we might be that we might fear that we might be weak or gay or feminine or trans or whatever we are so afraid of. And then we could finally cease our posturing behind a wall of words and actions which alienate ourselves from ourselves and each other. What say you, Mr. President? What say you, Congressman? What say you, institutional heads? What say you, educational heads? What say you, religious heads? Will white hetero male finally stand up and speak this truth? So we might all be free to finally choose to live by healthy human values once and for all. I, for one, would back you. And I know there are many others who would join this loving values recreation. That's beautiful, Roberto. Thanks for reading that. Um, you know, I read the poems myself and I really, really like that one. Well, along with all the other ones too, but having you on the show and hearing it in your own words just is so much better. It's, it just means more to me than it did, you know, for me just reading it on my own. So I appreciate you reading some of your poems for us today. on a different note, um, which that may lead leads into my next question, maybe is uh, a personal question, which you don't have to answer. But I was just curious, um, you switched your name from Robert to Roberto. And I was just wondering if that name switch had any significance for you. Yeah, actually, thanks for asking that It has had a lot of significance for me. Uh, let me just find a, that one coming out. Yeah, I wrote a poem called Coming Out, and it's, um, it was during a period of my life, it was after the service, and I was um, going through a lot of trauma myself from my own background, my family background, and other, other things. A lot of decisions I made that I wasn't proud of. I'm feeling like a coward. 
because I hadn't stood up a lot of times when I needed to. Yeah, I had black friends, I had gay friends, I had whatever. I stood up for women, but not, not nearly enough. I, I never felt brave enough. So I felt like I was a sham and I was a lie. And that's why I wrote the, the, this poem, Coming Out Party. Bob is dead. Long live Roberto. Bob was a child. Roberto's an adult. Bob walked in fear. Roberto walks in love. Bob was dishonest. Roberto's honest. Bob was dying. Roberto's living. Bob was inconsistent. Roberto's dependable. Bob was irresponsible. Roberto's 100% accountable. Bob was negative. Roberto's optimistic. Bob loathed himself. Roberto respects himself. Bob was homogenized, disconnect. Roberto honors and reconnects with all ancestors and relatives. Bob died. Roberto lives. Please join me in saying a loving goodbye to Bob and a loving hello to Roberto. And so it does a lot, a number, a lot of things when I chose to go by my ancestral names and my, you know, my uh, honor, my ethnicity, um, because we're all taught here to assimilate in this country. That's seen as a core value. Oh, the melting pot. That's a lot of baloney in my estimation. It's a lot, it's another way of, of uh, I mean, yeah, the concept of, of accepting and loving everyone, of course, that's what that goes without saying. But it's a sham if, if uh, the melting pot is a way of, keeping people from celebrating their uniqueness, their traditions, their cultural traditions, whatever those traditions are that mean something to them. You know, people changed their name coming here because they didn't want to, because they, they wanted something simple and they didn't want to be targeted. They didn't want to be targeted as being other because they had dark skins or because they were poor or whatever. So I reclaimed my, my ethnicity. It really, my full name is Francesco Roberto Vincenzo Schiraldi. <laughs> wow. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but to me, you know, I remember in, in school, you know, kids who had uh, ethnic or different names were made fun of. And, the, and the, they were forced to oh, give us a simple name like Joe or Bob or whatever, which is so <laughs> insulting. It's so disrespectful and insulting. It is. Um, even your name is poetic. With what you said, and even that is a poem. <laughs> that's the that's the, about the thing about race and, and 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 loving each other is respecting our uniqueness, our differences, and that we all are connected in all one, both things, not either or. That's true, very true. And you mentioned that you didn't feel like you did enough or that you do enough, but, but you really do, you know, you speak out, you're speaking to me today, you counsel, you've done counseling for people of trauma and, and you also write, you know, for others to, to read. So I wouldn't cut myself too short. I think you've, you've done a lot. Um, and at this point, I just need to take a short station break. You're listening to Veterans for Peace Radio Hour on Forward Radio 106.5 LPFM, Louisville, Kentucky.
Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking with Roberto Schiraldi about his two books on racial justice and white supremacy. Roberto, would you like to give us some more information on your books in case anybody would like to learn more about them? Well, thanks, Carol. I'd love to. Yeah. So um, they can be uh, purchased um, from uh, Rose Dog Books at rosedogsbookstore.com. Um, by calling uh, the Rose Dog Bookstore, you can order them directly there, and they'll also be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And um, oh, the the Rose Dog book number is 800-788-7654. I also have an abridged audio book that um, a friend of mine encouraged to do uh, to hear, so my voice can you know you can hear the poems in my voice as well as I play um, some Lakota uh, songs. Uh, Part of the healing songs that I was taught when I became a pipe carrier in the in the code. Could I just interrupt you for a second? Um, we were going to have you sing that Lakota song, the pipe carrier song. Um, now yeah. that you mentioned it, maybe you could tell us a little bit about it and and do that for us. We we meant to do that earlier, but somehow that slipped by. So I'm sorry about that. But if you if you could do that now and tell us about it. Yes, thank you. Um, so uh, years ago. Um, I was a drug and alcohol counselor at uh, Temple University, and I, uh, a woman that I was working with, a young woman who, um, anyway, long story short, I met this fellow who was a teacher. He was, the, he was an apprentice of this fellow, Joe Ekelelt, who was a revered um, uh, teacher, a Yeska medicine man, healer on the, on the Rosebud Reservation out in South Dakota. He invited me to go out there and be part of these sacred healing ceremonies called Sundance. And... Um, the first sweat lodge I went into, which I'm happy to talk to you a little about that, but the first time I went in there, they said, because they had gotten to know me a little, and they said, you know, Roberto, you're such a good man, but you, you're so hard on yourself. You need to learn how to be compassionate with yourself. And mm -hmm. so the more I stayed in the training, learning about sacred Lakota uh, native healing spiritual traditions, um, I was given, I made a pledge to be a pipe carrier, and I was given this, actually, I'll show you, it's given this um, this, this pipe to do healing ceremonies with by uh, uh, Harold Whitehorse, who was a, a chief on the Sichango Lakota people in the Rosebud Reservation. And the idea is you, you use the pipe to, the smoke carries the pipe, the prayers up to the creator, the prayers for healing and for peace and for love and harmony. And um, so I use the pipe when I do healing for myself and others and my clients. And they gave me this pipe song and I'll sing the pipe song for you. I'll just, I'll just uh, do a short version of it and then I'll explain what it, basically what it means. Loosely translated, it means easy to be sacred when you're doing sacred things. Please, please help us to remember that we're all sacred all the time in all these ways and all things. Again, all life is sacred. If that was the teaching, think, think how different. If that was the mission of our schools, K through pre-K through postgraduate school, how to how to create and how to graduate good people, loving people who serve in service of the, of the world, think different things would be.
we seem to be going in the opposite direction in education, especially in Florida. You know, the things we can't teach in school. We can't even teach black history, real black history. We can't even teach the facts in our schools. So, yeah, if, if only. Um, in your book, you, you mentioned just now to your visits to the reservations and sweat lodges. And can you tell me a little bit about those experiences? I was kind of curious. I've, I've never been to one, but I've heard a lot about that. Yeah, and just so you know, we don't have to go to third world countries, so to speak. We have third world countries right here in this country. It's the native people who was genocide, massacred, raped, killed. So we have a lot of people living in real squalor and poverty on the reservations. Mm -hmm. and, um, the, the beautiful part, the, the folks though, that happens all the time. It happened, you know, as black folks who survived their generations of slavery and everything, the indomitable spirit. They laugh with each other. They support, they, you know, because you're not worried about the trauma they're through. But the sweat lodges, it's a way of uh, Europeans, white Europeans have used sweat lodges. Celtics use sweat lodges. They're, it's not just unique to native people, uh, to indigenous people in this country. The sweat lodges, it's uh, built around with uh, um, sticks, and, uh, long sticks that they bend, and, and um, skins were, were placed over them. Now they use mostly use them. Um, tarps or something and then there's a, there's a hole built in the ground it's in circular and people go in there and sit in the dark and, and there's a hole in the ground and, and hot rocks are brought into the sweat lodge hot rocks from the fire and the fire people are brought into this hole and the and the smoke comes up and the water is put on the rocks and really intense heat and, uh, and the flap the doors closed and it's really intense heat and the idea is that we are connecting with the earth mother we're going to the womb of the mother earth to be connected to our roots, to be connected to the the, well, the the connection to all of us. One of the one of the Lakota terms is matakiyasen, meaning all my relatives, all my relations. We're all connected. We're all one. All the great traditions have taught that. All the great spiritual traditions have taught that we're all one. We're not, you know, if we could just see that that we're all in this together. That's the healing. So the sweat lodges, people would share their most their problems, their secrets, their stories of love and inspiration. So it's a, just a beautiful healing uh, opportunity. And I was really blessed to be part of that and will always carry it now inside me. Thank you. Thank you for filling me in on that. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking with Roberto Schiraldi about his two books on racial justice and white supremacy. Roberto, would you like to read a few poems for us? Uh, I'd love it, Carol. Thanks. Okay, so we, this poem. We'd love it too. <laughs> hope, I hope so. Because this, I know this. a lot of this stuff brings up pain inside us. And a lot of times it's hard to listen to this. Um, mm -hmm. If we're brave enough to do that and look in the mirror, then love will just keep uh, growing and growing inside us and then we can share it with others. So this poem, <clears throat> um, actually we submitted a, um, well, it's in, it's, in the, it's in the first book, The Healing Love Poems. We submitted a proposal, a truth and 
truth and conciliation slash transformation proposal to the president of the United States with some selected Congress people that we thought would make a great inaugural truth and truth and conciliation, truth and transformation commission in this country, because we've never had that in this country. They've done it in Canada, Africa, other countries. And it's really been a significant part of, can be a significant, because in that process, we call it truth and conciliation, not truth and reconciliation, because there never was, reconciliation uh, suggests that there was actually a harmony in the beginning. There never was. It's not returning to, to something that never was. So it's, it's about the folks, the leaders, making amends for the atrocities that were committed and are still being committed every day and to try and um, do our best to, to um, come up with um, uh, healing strategies, reparations, if you will, to make things right. And if we the basis, <clears throat> we kept teaching the truth of those things, then we could start healing. Without that, I don't see how healing would ever be possible because we're not speaking the truth. It's kind of like you want to say it one time and not have to think about it anymore because it's too painful. I get it. It's very painful. But, you know, if we have this color skin, we don't have to be dealing with that every day. Folks who have a different color skin have to deal with it every day. <clears throat> so here's a poem related to the truth and conciliation. It's called Truth and Transformation, Transforming Our, our Inner Cells and Transforming the World Around Us. Truth and transformation, a most important consideration to heal wounds here and in our nation. James Baldwin said on race, can't change what we don't face. We have to teach our young ones about the hierarchy of race, the values that founded this country and continue to rule the day with dark skins them, a huge price to pay. We must each do our parts, looking deep inside our hearts for peace and justice to ever be. We love can set us free. Truth and transformation, it's important that we name painful past and present, not for blaming or for shame, but to heal and build trust. We must acknowledge and make amends if we ever truly hope to be equals and be, real, be real friends. If I, as a white man, will keep on peeling layer after layer of white supremacy and how I'm feeling, and if we truly ask and listen to the folks who've been oppressed, we'll learn the steps to take to finally fix this mess. And if our, if our leaders hold themselves to task, it's not really too much to ask for the right things to do for me and for you. Truth and transformation. We can finally see the light now is the perfect time. Together, let's make this right. Thank you, Roberto. Um, you mentioned James Baldwin, and I, I would recommend anybody to read some of James Baldwin's books. Uh, they're excellent, and we did cover some of those in the Veterans for Peace book club. Um, you also said that when we were talking, you said you talk too much, but that's exactly what I want you to do. Can you imagine an interview with just yes or no answers? So don't worry about talking too much. I really appreciate it. And um, do you have any other poems you'd like to read? Uh, um, there's one, um, it's called My Sacred Feminine. And um, we men have been so conditioned programmed to be hyper-masculine because we're so afraid. And that's, I have two poems that are going to address this because I really think this is the essence of what, what real healing is, can come from. If we men are willing to speak the truth about our vulnerability, because um, I really think that's, that's where it started way from the, since the beginning of time, our insecurity, our fear of being men, except having to be macho. 
So my sacred feminine, alive in me, the miracle of life, continually being reborn, renewing, recreating, nurturing, sustaining energy, compassionate, soothing, comfort, forgiving, humility, deep to the core of Mother Earth, of me, a gentle salve, washing, joyfully pronouncing freedom. Finally, we can be free of the chains that bind each of us, the, the walls, the boxes we stick ourselves in as men especially, and women who end up trying to get into leadership positions because they want the piece of the pie, start emulating those crazy, insecure-based um, value systems. Mm -hmm. Me and all of us, I believe. Uh, I, I, I am acknowledging myself as being a, a two-spirit person. And two-spirit, again, from the Suchango Lakota, uh, it's different in different uh, nations and, and tribes. But two-spirit meaning embracing the sacred feminine inside me, sacred, uh, the, the highest qualities of the sacred feminine and the highest qualities of the sacred masculine, all in one, which I believe we're all really two-spirit, that we all have these qualities inside us. We're just taught to be hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine or hetero hyper hetero hyper gay because we're so afraid of being vulnerable and maybe someone accuses us of being gay oh my god instead of being a, a full-blown human being that has all these wonderful qualities mm -hmm. well i really applaud you um i really applaud you um not many men would really admit that or even step forward as you do uh, like you said because of insecurity and vulnerability so I really appreciate that you see you see the truth. Uh, unfortunate, not too many other people do. So um. there's a guy named Ernest Gaines. He's one of my favorite authors, and he said, "Why is it that as a culture we are more comfortable seeing two men holding guns than holding hands?" <laughs> I just I know it. I, you know, that's funny you said that. I just I just saw that meme on uh, Facebook. <laughs> and I yeah, I shared that one because I thought that was that really that has a lot of truth in it. Why are we so afraid of two men holding hands, but we're not afraid of everybody carrying guns all over. So funny you'd mentioned that one. Um, did uh, do you have anything else you, that you'd like to say about that one? Or? Well, I wanted to. Uh... Uh, share the next poem if I could that's related oh, to that. Sure, go ahead. Washington was gay. And uh, again, this is a little radical concept, but it just struck me on the heels of me being so frustrated and angry and what is wrong? What has to be changed here? And so this, um, and, and please know this is not issued as a put down. I put that actually in the book. It's offered as a perspective to consider in our efforts at healing. It's what I see as the core element rarely discussed that just might contain the cause slash healing of our challenges with racism, sexism, militarism, and on and on. If Washington was gay, what would be the implications? What would the implications be for ourselves, for the government, for all institutions, for the Veterans for Peace Board, for our stance against militarism and sexism and racism? How might our fear of being gay be similar to our fear of being racist? How does all the above relate to wealthy white hetero male supremacy cultural values? The problem as I see it 
Being straight is the way, anti-gay all the way. Since day one, macho man, suit of armor, rusted can. Weak, safety we seek, protection our task, so we wear a mask. Alienation from ourself. Put our feelings on the shelf. Put our feelings on the shelf. We're human, we have feelings. Alienation from ourself. Only one way out, by going all in, acknowledging our fears, releasing our tears. Honoring our feelings finally bridges the gap. Being true selves, we finally beat the rap of being hard as nails, chasing our tails, distant at best, everything a test. Finally, we can breathe. Finally, we can breathe and go back to the start as we live from our heart. So goes along with that, which is alienation. Yeah, I already said it, alienation from ourselves, which uh, this guy, Gabor Mate, a healer for around trauma, and I'm a trauma therapist, so it's particularly got my attention. He's he says, an excellent, he's an excellent writer, if, if people haven't heard of him. Yeah, and his, he has a three-part uh, video series on healing from trauma, and he says that the greatest trauma, and he's not minimizing all the other traumas like racism, sexism, sexual assault, but he's saying the greatest trauma is being alienated from ourselves because we, mm -hmm. we have not been taught that, again, back to all life is sacred, that we are sacred, that all life is sacred. And if we're taught that we, our essence is love, then we would, and we would share that love with all other beings, all other creatures, everything, again, but we're not. Yeah. No, no. Well, I'll thank, thank you, Roberto. Um, there's one poem, um, that I'd like for you to read because it, Veterans for Peace is uh, involved in climate crisis and militarism. And I'd like for you to read that one, if you don't mind. I'd love it. Climate crisis, climate crisis and militarism. Doctrine of discovery, God's anointed ones, manifest destiny, desecration of the land for power, wealth, and fun. The original native ones, honoring earth mother, military might to control the other. People of color, animals, trees, pollution of water and air bring us to our knees. All life is sacred, the mountains, rivers, streams. Military power isn't what it seems. If we choose to use that power for recreating and preserving life and check the arrogant greed, I'm gonna say that again, and check the arrogant greed, bickering, strife. So to live in harmony with all life, saving our children from the edge, this is the moment in time to make a lifelong pledge to each do our part to replace each gun with flour it's up to us right now to make this our finest hour. We are all in this together. All my relatives, we are all one. Thank you. Thank you, Roberto. We keep coming back to that same point that the value of all life, that we're all brothers and sisters, you know even the animals, the earth, you know, we all need each other and support each other. So um, 
next, I would like for you to, if you don't mind, um, I especially liked your poem called Bridging the Abyss uh, from your expurgated book on page 69. You wrote, you wrote, in an effort to help each member of our Be the Change book club, or anybody for that matter, um, you wrote that they should go deeper to examine and clarify to feel what being the change really means. So I was just wondering if you could read a little bit about that since you wrote that for the book club. Yes, let me see. I think you also had some points at the end of it, uh, if I remember correctly, of what we could do or how we could do to study and, 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 and go deeper and, you know, understand ourselves more. Yes, yes, I'm just having trouble finding it again. Um, page 69 in your expurgated book. Oh yeah, okay. So this next poem uh, and the questions that follow were written for the Veterans Peace Peace Club, the Be, Be the Change Book Club, in an effort to help each other to go deeper, to examine and clarify to themes. It could be helpful for any group dedicated to doing this work. Bridging the abyss. Be the change in quotes. What does that mean? Inside and out, time to come clean, to be heard and be seen. Love on the rocks, bizarre world, crime. Love on the rocks. A revolutionary time. Love warriors caress, gently soothing the mess of the hurt inside. Am I willing to confess? Opening our hearts to clearer decision. So what good people in each of our vision? So what good people is, is each of our vision? Where are my values? Where do I stand? What's my responsibility? Will I offer my hand? What will I do to heal racism inside me, inside you? Who will I be? What will I do to heal racism in me and inside you? Because it lives inside all of us because we've all been brought up in this country, which as we've determined, hopefully through a lot of these poems, a country that has racist values since day one. It wasn't about equality and, equity and, uh, and fairness and justice for all people. It never was. That wasn't the no. No. We put in here is, you know, what are my specific values for myself and really owning them, being specific about them and being really clear and uh, clear about that. And then what are my immediate hopes for myself and for the and for the folks in a group, any group, we're talking about the book club here, but really any group, what would be longer range hopes and goals? And what would be, um, if we're going to be part of a group, what would be the agreed upon guidelines? So we all know that we're on the same page. Otherwise, we're, we're we spend a lot of energy and time trying to mm -hmm. figure out as people come in with different values and different mindsets and different goals. Mm -hmm. As a counselor, um, yeah. I'm sure you've had to deal with a lot of racial racial trauma. Yeah, tons. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been a uh, trauma therapist since again, through the beginning of working in the psychiatric units, but really now I consider myself more of a racial trauma therapist because so many folks have been traumatized from living intergenerationally um, in, in a culture where, where it's not safe to be yourself, where you have to pretend, again, for lack of better terms, white supremacy values. And um, so uh, teaching folks to heal the wounds by being, first of all, having a safe place where folks can talk about the pain, the fear of a Black mother having to send her, her son out there, knowing any day that son could get killed very easily if they say the wrong thing or look the wrong way trauma of every day having to deal with this. When you go on the news and you see another black man being killed and that's so many millions of black mothers worrying if it's gonna be their kid. 
the trauma of living inside it with your relatives, your, your, close, your, your close relatives and their ancestors who have been through so much. So the trauma lives on and bleeds inside of us. So a safe place for folks to share about their feelings, their fears, their anger, their rage, because rage can be a feel from sexual assault. Oftentimes you use the power of the rage to get that out so they no longer feel victimized and afraid. Then you can return to the place of love that's inside each of us and the healing. So um, that's the essence of trauma healing and trauma counseling work. I try to provide a safe place where people can share whatever they want to say. They don't have to censor it, get it all out so it's not keeping inside poison. So I wrote this, cannot censor my own rage because it's in there. But when I get it and get it out, then I can return to the place of healing, comfort, and love. Thank you, Roberto. Um, you know, whenever you speak, there's always such a sense of calmness about you, and I'm hoping that it's going to rub off on me. I'm not sure <laughs> if it will, but um, speaking with you is almost spiritual. You, you're just calm and so knowledgeable. And so I was wondering that I'd like to close on a short meditation that uh, you wrote and might be a good way to close out the program today, if you wouldn't mind. At the end of the, the unexpurgated, I, I offer a, a, a number of healing meditations that I use every day to help me um, come back to the place of love. So I'll just read a short one. It's called, actually, there's a, a few of them, but they're all, they're all related. I offer myself. So first of all, actually, let's start with doing some breathing because the breath is the, is the key to uh, coming back home for ourselves. So let's just take some deep breaths. Breathing inside, connecting with our breath, our life force, connecting with our heart, the heartbeat, the heartbeat of the Mother Earth inside us, calming, soothing, comforting, beautiful safety and warmth inside each of us. Each breath I offer myself, my support, my comfort my courage, my action to the marginalized and the oppressed. I focus on justice and interconnected and the light reflects off me to the world around me. I cultivate peace and I offer it to all regardless of how they receive it. I go inside quiet to the calm, the place of love inside me inside all of us. And I share that calm and that love with all life around me. Matakyasin, all my relations, we are all laughing. So in the fog, in those fleeting moments of clarity, when the fog lifts, I feel my connection to all other imperfect beings and a deep serenity fills me. Thank you, Roberto. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say before we have to say goodbye? Um, did we cover your books completely? Um, earlier, I think I interrupted you when you were speaking about your books. Just that the, um, the, the first half of my, the first book, Healing Love Poems, is all the poems and they're, they're divided into different sections, you know, um, about what is white supremacy so we can understand it better, why the importance of using that word. What is love and different 
about love, uh, poems about spiritual growth, because it's all about growing inside spiritually, native wisdom, nature, lessons from nature, and gratitude, because gratitude is such an important part of dealing with life, if we can stay in a place of gratitude. The whole second part of the book, though, is, is about if we want to take action in the world around us. So there's a lot of essays and articles, short pieces, that theory of, uh, of being able to take action, the theories of being able to heal and raise and the proposal that we offered for our truth and conservation transformation, we offered a, a, a way, a, a kind of like a, a guideline, checklist, if you will, of how we can know if we're on the on the right path as a as a person, as a government, as a institution. The same principles should apply to all across the board, and then we will have true equity, and we won't have the need to talk about white supremacy and racism anymore. So that's what I have to share. I'm so grateful to you for this moment, uh, Carol, to be able to talk about this stuff. And well, thank just yeah, thank you, Roberto. I feel the same. I'm really grateful. I've been looking forward to speaking to you about this for a long time. Um, and I really want to thank you uh, for being with us today. I know you have a lot of things going on in your life right now. And um, before I go, I wanted to say how much I've really enjoyed it. And thanks for taking the time. And I'm sending you lots of healing love and healing wishes to you and your family. So much. That means a lot. That means a lot to appreciate you, Carol. Thank you, Roberto. And maybe we'll speak again one day when you write your next book. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Goodbye, Roberto. Good, good to talk to you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Veterans for Peace Radio Hour. For more information on the Veterans for Peace Be the Change Book Club, go to www.veteransforpeace.org. And to comment on this show or to give us suggestions for other shows, go to www.forwardradio.org or send an email to vfp168 at veteransforpeace.org. We thank you so much for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Roberto Schiraldi as much as I did. Goodbye now. Go in peace. been listening to Veterans for Peace Radio Hour here on Forward Radio WFMP LP 106.5 FM Louisville, Kentucky. We have enjoyed our time with you today and look forward to having you back sometime soon. Please join us on the path to peace and nonviolence. We can imagine a world without war and no matter what the journey is it will always begin with the first step. For more information please go to veteransforpeace168.org or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening.